Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn of Houston Public Media. And I'm Eric Skelly from Rocco, the River Oaks Chamber Orchestra. And this time we're talking about Franz Lehár's The Merry Widow, Die Lustige Witwe, Eric, which debuted in Vienna. In Say that five ni- times fast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Witwe, witwe. <laughs> this debuted in Vienna in 1905. Yeah, operetta, this, operetta, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, think musical theater, really. This is this is the bridge to musical theater from opera. Um, I may be alone in this. I don't know, but I, I sort of look at this and I think this is the progenitor of the big Jerry Herman diva vehicles, like Hello Dolly and Mame and things like that. How does this tie into, for example, Johann Strauss Jr.'s Die Fledermaus? It's it's uh, it's of the same ilk, uh, of the same genre. Um, the difference, uh, I guess the delineation between this and musical theater is that this requires operatic voices. It requires trained classical voices to perform it. And therefore it's, it's become the purview of opera companies rather than, you know, having Broadway revivals or, or musical theater in, in, you know, in your particular community. It's set in Paris around the embassy of the Principality of Pontevedro, which is this supposed Balkan uh, principality. Right. Uh, which is has a precarious future. And there is this rich widow who the Pontevedrian ambassador is determined will marry another Pontevedrian so that her fortune does not leave the principality. Right. And he has a particular uh, Pontevedrian in mind, doesn't he? He does. The wealthy widow's name is Hannah Glavari. Yes. And, in fact, the embassy's first secretary is Count Danilovich, who is a former lover of Hannah. Right. But they just, um, they didn't quite gel before. And in fact, what the uh, ambassador, Baron Zeta, is hoping to do is to get the count married off to Hannah. Right. So that the money will stay in Pontevedro and, you know, it will ensure the the future of the principality. Right. Because it turns out that they were in love before Hannah, Hannah got married to her husband, who is now since deceased. And they were in love... But uh, Hannah at the time was impoverished. She had, she had you know, nothing to her name. And so her uncle intervened and, and split the two up, apparently. And in fact, Ambassador Zeta, in trying to get the Count to marry Hannah, the Count says that he would only marry her if she had no money. Right. Because... That's how he was in love with her to begin with, and he doesn't. He doesn't want to come back now. And people say, "Oh, he married her for her money." He was a gold digger, right? right. And she, for her turn, says that she won't marry him until she hears him say the words, "I love you." So they have a little bit of a standoff. They still have feelings for each other, but they're holding each other at a little bit of a distance. What makes this more complicated, of course, is that the Baron's, the ambassador's wife, Valenciennes, is flirting with this French count, 
Camille, mm-hmm. the Count de Rossillon. And <laughs> we get involved in this whole thing with Valencien's fan. Not, you know, somebody that's really a, a real supporter of her and loves everything she yeah, does, yeah, yeah. but something she uses to cool herself. Exactly. Exactly. So we have a plot hinging around a fan. Where have we seen that before, I wonder? <laughs> Tosca. <laughs> well, this one I, I think will end better. <laughs> I was going to say Otello, but, you know, that's a handkerchief. Right. <laughs> or or Deflatermouse, which is, uh, I don't know, a pair of bat wings? Uh, uh, a pocket watch. <laughs> pocket a chiming watch. watch. Yes, that's right. A chiming watch. watch. Hmm. So... The Baron, the ambassador, is throwing a ball at the embassy in celebration of the birthday of the sovereign of the principality, the Grand Duke. And Hannah is among the guests. Right. And he wants Danilo to be one of the guests as well so that he can pair the two up (laughs) and get things going so that the two wind up marrying each other. But Danilo doesn't show up at the ball. Right. He is enjoying himself at Maxime's in Paris. And the ambassador sends Nigus, who is the, uh, the embassy secretary, to fetch him and to get him to come to the ball. Yeah, Nigus is our comic relief. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's all a comedy, but this guy is like, you know, he's the he's the big, you know, writ large comic relief in this piece. So, during the ball, the Baron's wife, Valenciennes, is flirting with uh, Camille, the uh, French attaché to the Pontevedrian embassy. And he writes, I love you, on her fan. So, Valenciennes, though wants to make it clear to Camille that she is she's married. married and she's a respectable woman and she's not going to have any of his shenanigans. She doesn't... Uh, because presumably he could be a shenanigator. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but she then has to get rid of the fan because he's written I love you I love on you. her fan. Right. So it's an incriminating fan and and they manage to lose it they lose it they lose it and who picks it up but the embassy counselor Kromov who fears <laughs> that he thinks he thinks the fan belongs to his, his wife, wife Olga and he <laughs> gives it to the Baron who is Valenciennes husband but the Baron doesn't recognize it as being his wife's fan right and he decides that he's going to give the fan back to Kromov's wife, Olga. Olga. <laughs> this in, is spite of, in spite of Valenciennes trying to intercept it <laughs> and get, it, get, it get, get control of it herself, but she's not successful. As the Baron is off to try and find Olga, he bumps into Danilo, the Count, and he orders... Danilo to marry Hannah. But Danilo <laughs> basically says, No, I won't marry her 
but I'll meet you halfway. I'll just get rid of any other possible, you know, non Pontevedrian suitors. Suitors. <laughs> so that the money will stay, will therefore stay within the principality. Right. And when we say get rid of, we don't mean he's going to off them. No. <laughs> He'll just get them out of the way. Then there is uh, that moment in the ball where they have the ladies' choice dance, where the women can choose their partner yeah. for the dance. On this side of the pond, we call that a Sadie Hawkins dance, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that before. Yes. Um, and so what then happens is there is all this jockeying for position. Who is going to dance with whom, etc.? And Danilo goes into the ballroom and wants to waylay any non-Pontevedrian who might want to dance with Hannah. With Hannah. So that the chances of them getting to know each other, or falling in love, etc., go out the window. Right. And Valenciennes wants to pair up Hannah with Camille so that Camille will no longer be available to Valenciennes and therefore a temptation to, you know, step out on her husband, the Baron. <laughs> Hannah chooses to dance with Danilo. But he doesn't want to dance, but he says, you know what, I will give up my dance to uh, for 10,000 francs and that money will go to charity. So one of the other men could buy this dance with Hannah. But of course, what that has the effect of doing is they're like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to pay 10,000 francs just to dance this with her. So all the, the possible suitors are waylaid. But here's the rub. There are no takers. And so... Yeah, it's too pricey for them, so... <laughs> and then she then refuses to dance with him, so he starts dancing on his own. And eventually she can't stand it any longer, and she falls into his arms. End of Act One. End of Act One. Act Two is the following evening, and there's a party in the garden at Hannah's house celebrating the birthday of the Grand Duke of Pontevedro. And everybody is dressed in Pontevedrian clothing. Yeah, traditional, you know... Uh, National yeah. garb. Right. And Hannah steps up uh, to entertain everybody, and she sings the most famous number in the score, very, very, very famous number, uh, Vilia. Um, which is, uh, she, she, she sings about the Velia, a maid of the woods. We know this uh, from many different sources in classical music. Um, Le Vili, uh, 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 Giselle, uh, Rusalka. You know, they're basically wood spirits that lure men to their doom. Right. Um, but... <laughs> That's not to say that we're we're introducing you know a a a very negative you know tragic anything into this because this is nothing but very lighthearted and and uh, it's a gorgeous gorgeous melody and it's a real opportunity for the diva of the evening to make a big effect. The Baron is worried that Camille 
is a threat to his plans for Hannah to marry a Pontevedrian. He still has not recognized his wife's fan, and he gives the fan to Danilo, asking him to track down its owner, because he assumes that the fan is Camille's married lover, and that that would help throw a spanner in the works with Hannah. And then they arrange this meeting. Baron Zeta arranges a meeting with Danilo and Mm. Niegus to discuss, to find out the identity of the owner of the fan, because these are the great affairs of state that occupy these people. Right. And also, allied to that, is the problem with the widow. How do we get her to marry a Pontevedrian and not lose the fortune from the principality? Okay, so not to make this too complicated, but (laughs) here goes anyway, right? So you've got this fan, which has the words, I love you, written on it, right? Mm -hmm. And it was meant for Valenciennes. Written by by Camille. By Camille. Hannah sees this thing, and she thinks that it's Danilo that wrote it, because that was the, the thing that was holding her back. She wanted to hear him say the words, I love you. Right. And so she sees this and thinks it was Danilo, which he denies, of course, <laughs> because he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so it basically ends in a, a big conundrum where Danilo is trying to find out who actually is the owner of the fan. And you know, he's uncovering all this dirt on all the embassy personnel. <laughs> In the process who's sleeping of it, with whom? Who's sleeping with whom, but not finding the real thing that he wants to find out, which is who actually owns this fad. During the uh, the evening party, Camille and Valenciennes meet in the garden, and she continues to resist his advances. He asks her for a keepsake something that he can remember her by. And they discover, strangely enough, (laughs) the fan which Danilo has accidentally left behind. And Camille asks Valencien to let him keep the fan as a keepsake and agrees, but not before she takes the fan and she writes on it, I'm a highly respectable wife. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's written I love you and she's written but I'm a highly respectable wife oh. and and she says you can have the fan now that I've written this on it right so he then persuades Valenciennes to uh, come into this pavilion in the garden so that they can say goodbye to one another but it just so happens that this is the same meeting place that Danilo, the uh, Baron, and Niegush are supposed to be meeting <laughs> for their meeting, for their t- to find out what's going on, right? <laughs> and of course, Niegush sees Camille and Valenciennes, right, in the pavilion, right, just as the Baron is on his way, and so Niegush locks the door so that the Baron can't get in and, and see his wife sort of presumably in flagrante delecto. But he does see her because he, he, he takes a look through the keyhole. keyhole. <laughs> and 
of course, he gets upset when he recognizes his own wife. But then Nigush arranges with Hannah to slip in and change places with Valenciennes. So when Camille comes out of the pavilion, the Baron, of course, is expecting his wife to follow him, but she doesn't. Hannah does. Hannah shows up. And, of course, Hannah then announces that she is going to marry Camille. Which is terrible news to everybody because he's not a Pontevedrian, so the Baron is, you know, all in a kerfuffle that, you know, he's going to, you know, lose all that money, you know, out of out of Pontevedro. But also <laughs> Valenciennes is pissed because she's going to lose Camille because despite her sort of froideur... And trying to, and, and basically she, putting the two together yeah, to begin with, to remove the temptation of him, she's, yes. So, and then Danilo is furious because he's not going to get Hannah because Hannah's going to marry Camille. <laughs> and so he storms off and goes to Maxime's, goes to, to, uh, to the nightclub. Which, of course tips off Hannah that he really does love her. I mean, you wouldn't react that way if you didn't care. Right. End of Act Two? End of Act Two. Act Three is a theme party in Hannah's ballroom, which she has decorated. She's had it decorated to make it look like Maxime's. Gotcha. Complete with Maxime's grisette, the Can uh, Can dancers. <laughs> Valenciennes has also dressed herself as a grisette and uh, entertains the guests. Should we explain? I mean, for anybody that isn't familiar with the term, perhaps what a grisette is, it's Why basically not? a working girl. A working girl. A working girl in, in, in Parisian society around the turn of the century, turn well, of the 19th like, century. Like Mimi in La Boheme. Very much like that. Danilo arrives. He's, he'd gone to Maxime's, and of course, nobody was there, presumably because they were all at Hannah's party. And he comes and he, he tells Hannah to give up Camille for the sake of the country. Don't marry Daniil, <laughs> because we'll, you know, the, the, the future of Pontevedro is resting upon your marriage to another Pontevedrian. At which Hannah confesses to Danilo that she really didn't ever intend to marry Camille. It was just that she was, you know, basically she was she was protecting Valenciennes. That's all she was doing. Because Valenciennes married. Right. A married woman. Right. Danilo is then ready to declare his love for Hannah, and he's just on the point of doing so when he remembers her money, which which is the impediment as yes. far as he's concerned because, yes. you know, when he was in love with her to begin with, she had no money. And it was her poverty, the relative poverty, that was the impediment. <laughs> now, of course, it's completely different. But he wants her for her, for the woman that he knows that she is, regardless of, of uh, how much money she has. Yes. Negus produces the fan, which he had picked up earlier. <laughs> and at that point, 
was a little bit late to the party. The, <laughs> you think? The Baron, <laughs> the Baron realizes that the fan belongs to his wife. And so you've got all this written on the fan, I love you, and he's pissed. And he says he's going to divorce Valenciennes and he'll marry the widow himself. But Hannah says that if if she remarries, then she loses her fortune. <laughs> and of course, at but that she, point... She left something very important to doubt. And right. Yes. At that point, Danilo, of course, you know, if she loses her fortune, he, the, the impediment is out of the way. Exactly. And he confesses his love for her and asks Hannah to marry him. And, and then Hera the lets the other shoe drop. Right. Of course. She loses her fortune because it goes to her husband. When she gets married. Yes. And Valenciennes then produces the fan and assures her husband, the Baron, of her fidelity. Because although it says, I love you on one side, she flips it over and on the back it says, I am a respectable wife. And so the Baron's relieved, and everybody, Eric, lives happily ever after. Except maybe Camille. Yeah. Yeah. But who cares? <laughs> <laughs> this, <laughs> this is a work that has entered the general repertoire. Oh, big time. And yet it's, it's the only work that is done so by, by Leha, and it is a work that is operetta. It has that flay de mouse element to it. It has that, you know, the sort of the uh, champagne dreams, you know, and, and everything is frothy and... Frothy melodic silliness set to beautiful music. Yeah. Yeah. Franz has The Merry Widow. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening. <laughs>